Hello, Disruptors. Welcome hey. back. Hello. Hi. We are super excited to talk about a super exciting topic tonight. <laughs> money, 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 money. Money. Money, 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 money. One more, Tam. A big spender. Do, 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 do. <laughs> what could we possibly be talking about, Tam? Uh, any guesses? Um, I think we're talking about money. I'm, ding, 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 ding. I'm doing that Scroogey <laughs> fingertip thing. It doesn't work on the radio. It does not. No. <laughs> Uh, anyway, let's hope we can make this exciting for everyone because money can be a bit of a crap topic really, can't it? It's a taboo. <laughs> yeah, taboo? don't talk about it. Should we just change the topic to sex? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> totally. Religion, okay. anyone? Religion? Yeah, hello? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it's totally not a taboo topic in churches. Oh, you think? Like, no, well, it's talked about, it's constantly talked about, Ooh. obviously because they need money to survive. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. What do you That's guys think? That's very cynical. What? That's very cynical of you, Tam. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right, it's cynical. I <laughs> just want everyone to be blessed, don't you know? Oh, yes. Mm. Prosper. Oh, no, sorry, that's Ursh. What? Ursh is, what? Your whole um, denomination is all about yes. prospering. Yeah, oh, Scott Morrison? Mm. Oh, ScoMo. <laughs> what the heck? Ooh, I'm, not, that's... I'm not coping with everyone claiming him. I'm just people. You're going to be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't mean, I just mean anyone, human being. You set, you set yeah. anyone up to be like, yeah. Isn't it so exciting that now we have a Christian leader? Like, I know, I know. It's so true. Policies in the past have not been what I would think of as very Christian. Anyway, no. anyway, that's another topic. It is, which Oops. I would love to discuss too. <laughs> uh, yes, and Julie. Yeah. But anyway, money. I like in my kind of uh, church experience, it has been talked about, but it tends to be limited to like once a year, once yeah. or twice a year, in terms of like a proper okay. sermon where they help you theologically get your head around it and then every week it's kind of a pastor offering bags even though it's so outdated now Mm. but yet hundreds of dollars still come in yep that Mm. surprises me Mm. yeah our like I reckon it's like a 15 minute mini sermon every week about the offering and if you go to church often that is just too much it's crazy that is too Mm. much are you serious I'm serious, but you know what I'm thinking? This is what I was dawning on me because I was a bit like you, Tam, this week thinking about it and going in a very cynical terms. Well, they do, they need money to keep running, right? They've got to mm-hmm. pay all their staff salary. They've got to keep the lights on, keep the building running, all those things. And I wonder if that's why, in some small way, apart from the fact that I know that they would say they want people to you know, prosper and be blessing and, I don't know, living a life that God wants them to live or something. But um, if you look at, the, like, say, the Catholic Church, right, and and maybe more older main mainline denominations, they have property, they've got money, they're, mm, they're yep. super rich, actually. If you yep. look at, like, the relatively newer charismatic Pentecostal movement, which started in the poor 
back blocks anyway, like with the poor and the uneducated of society. They've never mm-hmm. had money. They've never had land, buildings, whatever else. So, you know, when I go to my nonna's church, they don't mention anything. They pass the collection around and there's a few coins and it's not really a big deal. But in the churches that I grew up in, it was a big deal to get people to give. Mm. And, and how much do they ask to give? Well, uh, certainly when I was growing up, I've heard a little bit of change in this over the last few years, but when I was growing up, it was definitely the bare minimum you gave was the 10% tithe mm. and mm. everyone should do that. And then obviously if you're actually really a generous person, you would give above that. Mm. To All to the church? Yeah. It was definitely about giving to the church. If you wanted to give to anyone else, well, that might be your choice, but the idea being that well, you have to give to your storehouse, So, mm. which like that Old Testament thing, you know, give mm. that my storehouse would be full or whatever. So mm. the idea was that, well, you get fed at church, therefore that's your storehouse, that's what you should give in to first and foremost, definitely with the tithe. And it's all mm. very very tenuous straws that they're pulling out from the Old Testament, in my opinion. And it's very guilt-driven, I mm-hmm. feel, and that whole um, you can't expect to receive blessing unless you are a blessing to your church. Mm-hmm. So if you don't give what you're expected to give, yeah. well, maybe, you know, maybe you'll lose your job. <laughs> Like I feel like that's almost the the intimation. Like how can you expect to be blessed financially by God unless you are doing as they, you know, as they think the Bible says? It also I wonder if it makes a rod for the back of those leaders too because as soon as people, not saying that you don't give, but as soon as people give and give above and beyond, there's that sense of ownership. You know how like pastors have to deal with everyone's yeah, right. complaints and issues about the worship wasn't quite right this week mm. and why did that um, why was that thing on the table instead mm-hmm. of this thing or whatever? But equally, they are literally paying, mm. <laughs> and so that that sense of um, I have a say yep. really comes into play, doesn't it? And I wonder if that's created yeah, this a perpetual share, culture a where yeah, a shareholder almost, mm-hmm. and therefore they can send their email complaints and expect to be heard and expect to be followed up. And if you're not pastorally caring for me in the way I think you should, then I'm not happy. Mm. And it sets up this um, a transactional, potentially, a transactional mm. approach if you're not Interesting. careful. Mm. Yeah, I think so. It does leave room for, yeah, you, you'd have to be very careful then. Do you treat some members of your congregation better because they mm. earn more or they give more? Or, yeah, it's, mm, it's look. And, look, this is all very cynical Used, but I think it's just a reality, isn't it? So I feel like these days people are getting a little bit more savvy about where they want to give and how much they want mm. to give and even just looking into And that's why I'd say over the last few years, I would say in the circles I've been in, I've started to hear more and more, look, tithing per se might be an Old Testament thing that we don't necessarily need to carry into the New Testament, but, you know, they'll kind of cite the Matthew 23 scripture which talks about you know Jesus kind of says you know you should have been compassionate and been loving and kind as well as give the tithe kind of thing so Mm. the thing that I've heard lately is sure you can get away with saying you don't have to give 10% but you do have to be generous and therefore 10% is like the starting ground 
And so, again, that figure, that nominal figure, which if you look in the Old Testament and count up what was the tithes, it was mm. probably more like a 23%. That's so right. where does where the tent, you know, kind of comes from, again, like it's. Yeah. Yeah, and it was a Jewish, it was very a, a very Jewish thing. So where we've let a lot of the other Jewish commandments go, Mm. Obviously, the church has wanted to hold on to that one because it's very beneficial for them to hold on to the tithing commandment. Ouch, Tam, you sound. <laughs> well, you know, I would imagine, Tam, I could be wrong, but uh, let me just jump in there and say, so for me, growing up in the church where it was like that, giving 10% was super normal. Like I never thought yeah. about it, never mm. questioned it, always did it. Just um, And it's yeah. probably only been in the last, you know, five or so years that I've started to go, hmm. What do I really think about that? What does the Bible, you know, what's my beliefs? And I imagine if you hadn't grown up with that ingrained into you, although a lot of people give, you know, that amount in another way anyway, but, you know, that then coming into adulthood and trying to start from that basis would be quite different too. Yeah. Well, there's um, uh, the Gospel Coalition, which is I think maybe more of a conservative kind of group, but they um, have a, uh, article around seven reasons Christians are not required to tithe and mm-hmm. then they've done another one around that the fact that the Bible commands that Christians are to tithe, right? So they've mm-hmm. given the two different perspectives. And I've heard this too where people do say, oh, you're not required to tithe anymore, but really it's saying it's under the old covenant of the Old Testament, but really these days it's still about giving generously and maybe it's more closer to 20% than it is 10%. Mm. And um, in the West in particular, how do we need to be giving way more than the 10 um, that's been called out in the past. So mm. that's that's interesting. And I, But I also wonder even the concept of tithing as being linked to the church versus mm. to the kingdom. Yep. And I reckon the, and that's shifted a lot and the community. Mm. And yeah. that I reckon in so many for myself and I think a lot of people across a whole range of different walks of life would now adhere more to the idea of I'm going to give where my passions are and where I see the need and the church Mm. will get some of that but also some of it will go to this organisation and this parachurch and this local community Mm. or this person that I know. And that, um, whereas in the past I feel like the church decided which parachurch or which ministry or organisation would get the funds on behalf, and they would make those decisions on behalf of the congregation, and that seems to have done a massive shift in the last 10, 20 years. Mm. Yeah, I think that's true too. And, yeah, and I think just that idea of you don't need to only be generous where you're being fed, so to speak, which mm. anyway in this day and age people are being fed from multiple places and platforms which they never would have had mm. access to in the past. But yep. also, yeah, an idea of, well, yeah, we want to give to certain areas and you can't give to everything. And, you know, mm-hmm. in in all that, you know, my thought is definitely now I totally believe in being generous and I totally want to not have that stranglehold of consumerism and money driving mm-hmm. my life because I think at the end of the day that's part of what following Christ is as well, like, you are trying to live by faith and trust him with everything and not buy into the world systems. And that's so hard. Like that goes so against the grain. And so certainly I feel for me like one way to do that is to be generous and to give to things. But 
I don't want to be held to a nominal nun number and I don't want to be giving, you know, um, money that has that's in my hand to do something worthwhile with to things that I don't necessarily feel are always worthwhile. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I was really, I, I loved the concept of the, like the original concept of tithing where it was a literal storehouse mm. that people would take their literal food to, mm. to then um, distribute to the people that didn't have enough. Yeah. Like it was such mm. literally meeting the needs of their community mm. and it was a way of making sure that the wealth was distributed more evenly through the community. Yeah. And I feel like that is totally not how tithes are distributed now. Mm. Yeah. Like I, I know that in our church they make it very clear that the 10% tithes is put aside purely, and I, I'm actually not sure if this is how it's working currently, but in the past they've said that the 10% tithe was purely put aside to pay the Operational. wages off. Yep. Yeah. Mm. So it was just wages. Yeah. And um, that's hard, isn't it, because you go it, it requires a total shift of system to move away from that because if you've got part-time, mm. full-time workers, of course they need to be paid. Of course they deserve to be yeah, paid. Yeah. But it's not so tangible like you were saying, Tam, as to go, mm. I'm giving my money and it's helping someone who, you know, needs to be fed. It's, well, I'm helping mm. my pastor's family that needs to be fed. But, you know, mm. it's really, yeah, it's tricky. Yeah. It's a tricky one. So how how – how does your view of money sort of show up these days and how has that been influenced by your own sort of childhood and upbringing, do you reckon? Look, I'd like to say first I recognise that for me and probably for you guys we're coming from super privileged white mm. woman Western world, mm-hmm. you know, middle class. To pay the bills. Yeah, yeah, really blessed. Like, you know, so within that, I always feel like I never have enough and that's probably a very wrong viewpoint <laughs> because, you know, obviously there's people that really, really don't have enough. But um, I think growing up we didn't have a lot. We were always taught to be generous. We are always taught the thought of, you know, giving to God and it was always a really big thing that we're kind of taught not to worry about finances. That's the message that came through to me. Um but, you know, God would take care of you. Yeah, like if you, not if, but, you know, you're generous to God, God will make sure that you're looked after. And I don't think in our family that I remember we ever discussed the practicalities of, like, the budget or how to make things work. But we certainly discussed things like tithing and giving and just being generous to people, you know, generally. So yeah. I think you know, now I still have that thing in me that I do, you know, totally want to be generous at every turn. Um, at the same time, I feel like as an adult, one of the biggest things that I would have loved to have learned a lot more before this stage was like budgeting and just stuff that I know nothing about, you know, and that you've had to kind of stumble along along the way, you know, to get a mortgage or to, you know, which again is such a blessed position to be in. But just, you know, some life skills that would have been nice to learn it. Yeah, school. I totally feel like I'm only now getting those skills of dealing with money. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know whether it's a generational thing that my parents, um, yeah, I've only just recently found out that they were very careful with their money and they, you know, they had a very strict budget and all those kind of things. But 
yeah, as much as they taught me to be careful with my money and to be a good saver, all that, yeah, that nitty-gritty of um, budgeting and having enough money in, you know, when you needed it and all that kind of thing, I had to really muddle my way through that. Mm. Why do you feel like yep. you've kind of started to really land it even now, Tam? Out of necessity? Yeah. Like just getting to the point where you go, wow, I'm in, I need to be a grown-up about this. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can't just stick my head in the sand anymore and, yeah. What about for you, Shell? What was, what was it like for you growing up, Shell? Um, yeah, look, I think uh, we probably didn't have a whole lot uh, with parents sort of studying and then doing ministry and that sort of thing. So it felt like the um, when we got – treats they would really felt like treats I think Mm. for me at the moment I'm really wrestling with that whole um sense of entitlement that my kids seem to have which I could probably only really blame myself for them having it because Mm. I have um and I've recognized this in that desire to have you know decent furniture or a decent place to live and all of that now whereas kind of what my parents had when I left home Mm. (laughs) without thinking about the fact that when they were my age, they had secondhand stuff and Mm. and living on far less and you'd be lucky if you went to a cafe once every month or so. (laughs) Whereas like for us it's going, Mm. oh, you know, we expect to have the nice couch and also I'd like to go out for a coffee and we'll take the kid out for a babuccino and Mm. and so smashed avocado. Smashed avocado and toast, of course. Um, (laughs) I love it. And the kids, you know, always need a milkshake and whatever else. And you just realise, man, it's just so easy to be frivolous and have those treats. But are they treats or are they just now becoming a regular thing? And not only are we just spending a whole lot of money that we should not be putting into that sort of stuff, and also what example does that set for um, Mm. my own kids? And they'll have a different upbringing, but I'm not sure it's a healthy swing in a different direction either. Like I feel like this needs a bit of correction there um, around how you handle money well. Mm. And Mm. I know I think what's interesting is that each one of us independently of talking to each other all started doing the barefoot investor thing <laughs> around Christmas time, which is just mm. slash hilarious at the same time. And yeah. um, I, I found that useful, not saying that I've totally nailed it yet, but that idea of just having key buckets and having a sense of what percentage of income goes here, there and everywhere mm. um, and sticking to that. Although my big beef with him uh, is the lack of, generosity Mm. (laughs) he seems to show did you find that yeah I found it really interesting yeah that he because he talks about when getting your kids teaching your kids money and with them he does like a a bucket for giving but he doesn't do that for adults and I was like oh that's really bizarre and he's happy for you to live with you know some house in the back blocks with no nice no nice things, you know. I was just like, really? It's, it can't all just be functional. It has to be aesthetically beautiful as well. Yeah. Oh, what about killing you? Yeah, you get a nice pillow. He does this whole chapter on how to live like the rich live. And he's like, even James Packer has to sleep at night and he has a nice pillow. So get a nice pillow and that will make yeah. your life magical. Yeah. And, and undies. I said, no, it shall not. And, oh, bloody undies. <laughs> Far out, buddy. You missed the point. Yeah, that was, that was a bit odd. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he is Another a phenomenon, <laughs> that's for sure. 
Another good resource that I um, came across the last year was um, the ABC podcast, The Pineapple Project. Yes, I did too, Tam. Oh, I love that. Hooper. Yeah. yeah. So that was very much um, aimed at women, I felt, obviously, yes. because women notoriously probably um, haven't looked after the money as much in the past. Mm. Um, and, yeah, so that was very, that was very practical mm. um, and also funny. So that was yeah. helpful. What yeah. I found helpful about that one, Tam, I, I just stuck in my mind when she interviews some of like Australia's richest people, like Harvey mm. Norman. Is, it Har- is his name Harvey? No, Jerry Harvey. <laughs> the Harvey <laughs> Norman guy. <laughs> um, but, and what was interesting around um, how they grow up, mm. it's like their childhood experience of money and how that shapes how they deal with money now. Yeah. So he grew up like fairly reasonably okay money-wise and then I think his dad lost all of their money mm-hmm. and so they lived on the poverty line for a while there and, you know, as a kid he made that decision he would never be like that again where they wouldn't know if they can afford to live, right? And so he has gazillions of dollars, like mm-hmm. one of the richest people in all of Australia and he will not, he'll only fly economy class. He's a real tight ass. He's a yep. total tight ass. And she yep. found that from a lot of people, didn't she, with the, mm. the rich people she um, interviewed. And not that she was advocating that either, I should say. Like it was not, that was not the point. She's definitely more of a hey, big spender woman, which I appreciated. But, the, yeah, the <laughs> people that seem to be um, well off have been really shaped by their experience of absolute poverty and shame, I think, attached to that mm-hmm. and yeah, I think that's an interesting thing to unpack and reflect on what your own experience has been and, and how you, you choose to do things off the back of that, mm-hmm. which was surprising to me because I had never really reflected on that connection point before. But are there any good um, Christian insights that you've come across? I know, Tam, I think you had done a little bit of podcasting and is there anything yes. that's emerged as useful? Because I think a lot of the money stuff that's out there, Barefoot Investor and the Pineapple Project are really helpful, simple ways to approach it. But I do feel like it misses that deeper um, theological, philosophical bit around generosity and open-handedness. Do you find that? I listened to a podcast this week. I was just trying to vaguely search for some that were relevant Um, and I think we've talked about the Nomad podcast before. Yes. Mm. Um, what was I listening to? It was this one. So um, it's an old one of theirs with Walter Brueggemann. Oh, yeah. Who, yes, yes. familiar name. Yeah, yeah no, not name. to me, but that's good. Um, so he wrote a book called something. <laughs> about money this is insightful i know um so he wrote a book called money and possessions Uh and they they actually went through it i feel like i don't need to read the book because the podcast basically went through each main point in the book so there was i think he went through seven main theses of money in the bible Hmm. which was really interesting because some of them he was like i really didn't want this (laughs) to be it well yeah to be something that came up and as a rule and he didn't always agree with it but you know then unpacked it and you know really interesting stuff and just speaking about how much of a central theme it is in the bible which kind of proves that you know we can't just 
brush it off as not being a very central theme in all of our lives, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, if you want to be really made uncomfortable, then listen to that podcast because he <laughs> started talking about the concepts of like generosity versus um, economic justice wow. in the world. Okay. Which sounds like your kind of deal, yeah. Shell. I think you'd I'm be really interested, interested by his. Mm. So basically, that we. Yeah, I was going to say. I probably can't explain it all that well. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I can. Um, so basically saying that we, we we give small amounts of money to, you know, charity or the church or whatever to offset the fact that really what we need to do is make everything more equi- equitable across the board. Mm. So there's, there's, you know, this massive gap between the rich and the poor, which obviously we can't, you know, not one of us can solve, but none of us are really willing to give up our, um, you know, what we've got to try and even out that gap. Mm-hmm. So we give away these little bits of donations and, you know, putting money in hats and, you know, to make ourselves feel better about the fact that we're still in that privileged mm. sector. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously it's going to take a lot of, it's going to take, you know, changes in laws and things like that for anything to change. But he basically said it probably won't change because everyone in that privileged sector is too comfortable Mm. and too, you know, doesn't want to give it up. Wow. It's interesting that you say that. It's like that whole thing of, yeah, do you go down the communist route then where everyone is? That's right. Or I love I mean, personally, something that I love the idea of is a cap on income and then, I don't know, you divvy out the rest or something. <laughs> I love that. When you get to that point, they're like, but, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you do. But, no, like, yeah. you know, for example, yeah, sure. I know that some celebrities like Bono, for example, does that, has a self-imposed cap mm. on their income and then whatever they earn above that is, you know, their philanthropy. And I'm sure like Bill Gates do oh, yeah. similar kinds of things. like. Um, mm. Yeah, and whether that should be a thought across the board. And I certainly am concerned, sorry, this is a tangent, but with the rhetoric these days around that I guess we've seen from Trump and now I see what Clive Palmer has like got these boards up saying make Australia great again. I <laughs> Think of Australia first, but that idea that we think of ourselves first and we protect ourselves first, we, you know, um I don't like that sentiment that seems to be creeping in, that that idea mm. that you take care of your own first mm-hmm. and too bad about the rest of the world because I think we're a global community. I don't think oh. we can think in little islands but, like that anymore. Yeah, totally. But they're play, like Evett, who we've interviewed before, right, he speaks about, um, I mean, there's so many people speaking about it, the rise of the nationalist approach because you're just playing into the fear mm-hmm. base, right? So it's harder yeah. to how, – how do you um, – get elected when you talk about global issues that require global solutions where leaders need to talk mm. across countries. It's so much easier mm. to say we're going to protect and make Australia great again or America great again yeah. because people can buy into that because it hits their bottom line, right? So they, mm. they get, yeah, jobs and growth, jobs and growth. Anyway, off the back yeah. of what you just said, Ish, um, you can go to globalrichlist.com and you just punch yeah. in where what – um, location you're in and your annual net income and it will tell you how you fit in the world by your income 
So I'm in the yeah, top, what, top point, like under 0.1% richest people in the world. Yeah. Just good to get that yeah, perspective, wow. isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. So what, so now that, you know, with your newfound things from Barefoot Investor and Pineapple Project and other places and just your adult life, what do you find is important to you now in your finances when you're sitting down? Just paying the freaking bills. <laughs> It does help. <laughs> and I think that's what I found about the pressure of tithing was that sometimes if we tithed the full 10%, we wouldn't end up with enough money to pay the bills. Yeah. And I'm like, does does Jesus want me to be in debt? Mm. And no. So that I can Ooh, pay my tithes. Side, that's right. And Jesus do- didn't want me to be in debt. <laughs> yeah. And I actually remember um, um, hearing in church in the past you know, don't use your credit card to tithe, to, you know, don't go mm. into debt to tithe. But, yeah, so then you have to really look at well, how, how are you helping? You need to make the message, you know, that it's okay to give what you can. Yeah, to give what you can and what you feel in your heart to give and, you know, what you can do joyfully and what you're agreed upon in your marriage and without la- giving this whole layer of guilt. And there mm. also does, I think, you know, if you're going to be asking that, there needs to be some kind of financial training as well to go, you know. Yeah, that's really true. How mm. do you run your life? Because maybe I think most people out there are doing the best they can, like with what they know of finances. I don't think there's many people out there that are deliberately racking up thousands of dollars of credit card debt, you know, just willy-nilly purposefully. But there are a lot of people with lots and lots and lots of credit card debt and to mm. then keep giving the message that they need to give and give generously to this and that and this and that and this cause and that cause and, you know, like that's yeah. really irresponsible as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's really true. Mm, it's a tricky line. But then it's easy to not to then fall into the trap of just, yeah, making decisions where you're not looking to give yeah. either. And yeah. Uh, I don't know it's a hard one to walk isn't it so I think it's Mm. I I kind of took it as there's seasons whether that is the case but to try to be alert enough to know when um that's becoming a bit of a crutch or I don't know that's not quite probably quite the right phrasing (laughs) but it's probably uh, it does go back to that whole of life thing then isn't it too so which it is part of the budgeting process to go you know this is what we have incoming this is what we have outgoing you know if it's a priority for us to mm. give and we want to give in this way for whatever manifold reasons that's something we want to do and we don't have that money is there somewhere else that we can cut back in because we yeah. value the value of giving and generosity more than mm. getting my hair dyed blonde like that that's just like a reality choice that you've got to make yeah yeah and that's i guess where the rubber hits the road but for some people that is just can I put food on my table for my family or can I give? Well, put food on the table for your family. You know, having said that, we often grew up without food on our table and food would just appear miraculously on the doors, not miraculously, like people would bring stuff and it wasn't because we were going around saying, we have no money for food. Like I'm sure we would have. But do you think that's a direct, like I think the church can do a really good job of putting a direct relationship mm. between tithing and blessing. Yeah. And I don't think I don't think that's how that works. It's about so listening to a pod, It's about a living podcast. in a generous community, isn't it? Yeah, yes. 
That's really true. Mm. Yep. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast um, recently about tithing and one of the guys said he he went to a, a new church and they did a tithing challenge where they said um, tithe for 60 days, you know, 10%. Mm. Um, and if at the end of 60 <laughs> days you weren't seeing miraculous blessing, financial <laughs> blessings in your life, they would give you your money back. Danger, yes. danger, Will Robinson. <laughs> that is ridiculous. I mean, that's ridiculous, wow. but I do think well, that's a little bit. Well, they're putting their money where their mouth is, aren't they? Yeah. I think, that, I think that's the message that a lot of churches, whether that's they mean to or not, mm. that is the message that they're giving. Like, yeah, yeah you, need, you need to tithe and that's otherwise you're not going to see, yeah, blessing. I wonder as well, though, like even if it, in those times of where life is tough financially, like the whole generosity of spirit and other, other ways of being generous. Mm. So it's just a reframing, Absolutely. right? Like and I, I try to think back to, you know, when we were struggling to do, say, the 10% at that time because, you know, Bruce, one of us was studying and we had no graduate wage or whatever it is. It's like, but, yeah, like how do you still try to have people over and help new people feel mm. welcome and um, volunteer for whatever, whatever, and just continue that mindset and mm. spirit of generosity, even if it's not technical financial stuff all the time, because it just can get so um, legalistic, I guess, so easily. Yeah. Hey, there's a great thing. Mm. You know what I was thinking of? Um, you know, um, Suze, who you know, Shell, and yeah. I think she listens to this podcast. I hope she doesn't mind us talking about her. But Hi, I, Suze. <laughs> I love what she does. Um, they have like chickens and veggies and various things and they I think it was kind of on the um, idea of her young daughter actually to um, they have like a little basket out the front of their house and they put the excess eggs and things in and people can then give money uh, and also like kitchen scraps for the chickens Um, but to you know if they want to take a couple of eggs and put some money in and then with that money they directly give that to some project which will, you know, buy a chicken for someone in Africa, mm. let's say. And so, mm. that, again, like there's a real tangible connection, particularly, I guess, for, you know, her kids, which is brilliant. Of, yeah. You know, we're being able to give something away, we're being able to make money and to, um, to help someone less fortunate. And it actually yeah. also brings that awareness to the whole community because you walk past their house and that's out there and they – got a little sign saying what it's for and I just I love that I think that's really great for kids to see yeah yeah there's also um just speaking of kids I know the barefoot investor our friend Scott is it Scott anyway has done this book about helping kids with money so I'm yet to receive Mm. it in the mail but I'll let you know whether that's any you did order it I did I didn't order three like he was telling me to I just (laughs) ordered one God, sorry, you guys aren't going to get one in, from me. <laughs> I'll just no. borrow yours. Yeah. Good. <laughs> totally. Um, but there is this, uh, I, came, I stumbled across this, uh, I don't know where, maybe someone mentioned it somewhere on social media, but moneysavvykids.com.au mm. and they do these uh, little like um, money, what do you call them, piggy banks. So it's the shape of a pig. And, but they actually, you can section it into four different sections, save, spend, oh, donate, and invest. That's cute. Yep. In all different colours, like the, the different coloured pigs. Now, I'm going to be up front and say my kids, like Charlie, 
will actually undo the bottom to take the money out of donate to put it into spend. No. <laughs> she wants to buy the stickers. Because she's That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> rigging the system. Um, but I went as they get a bit older and as I am more intentional in helping them understand it, I think that's just a really um, visual way, I guess, to see how you should be splitting your money rather than putting it all into spend, like thinking you get that one dollar for helping around the house for whatever and then you just get to do what you want with it actually maybe mm. how do we split that out so great highly recommend i think it's like 20 bucks um we gave it to them for christmas one year <laughs> they were so excited <laughs> but also sorry just on a side note like obviously cashless society that i am certainly in just the kids you know like when you i just remember charlie at the age of four playing shops and just going bing bing with like yeah. this little like fake card she had thinking she could buy whatever the hell she wanted but it's going bing <laughs> is that not how it works yeah i know bruce and i go it's just put it on credit you don't have to pay for credit yeah, like it doesn't no. even count sorry what did you do with evie i was just gonna say whenever i'm at the shops and i say i don't have any money i can't buy you that she's like but you've got your card Oh, yeah, I, yeah I launch into my spiel of yes but we can't just buy whatever we want whenever we want yeah <laughs> oh it's interesting isn't it but yes. it's, we are so lucky our kids are so lucky and it's just a, it's a I trick know. to yeah, I don't know I was just thinking again about those you like missionaries that will sell everything to live with the poorest of the poor even mm. in even in Australia like you know and there's kind of housing commission yeah things because how else do you relate you know, you don't often come yeah. in touch with people that are in a, you know like a different economic bracket to you that you're actually mm. really friends with and if you're mm. not really friends with people you know how do you share you know with them about mm. love and god and i don't know that's a challenge yeah. so to wrap up i'd be really interested in your sense of if there's one thing that you could change in yourself about how you see money and use money, what would it be? What's the one thing? Ish. Wow, that is so hard. And maybe this I know. Like maybe mm-hmm. I just have this massive blind spot, but I don't know that I would. I just Okay. I just want more of it. I feel like I use it well. I feel like I use it well. I feel like I've got good balance. Um, maybe it would be I wish it's not so much about money but it ties in. I wish I had a more entrepreneurial spirit because then I think maybe yeah. I could have more side hustles or I could work harder for something. In I just don't feel like I've got that gift in me really. And so mm-hmm. when I go, okay, how can I be doing this better to bring in more or whatever or, yeah, I, I find – that exhaust you just me. don't care enough it's not I don't care it's that I just get kind of get stuck on it I get stuck yeah so mm. I think that kind of feeds in but I'm actually I don't feel like I'm bad with money no, maybe I need to think really. rich to be rich yeah oh my gosh. and just like somebody call out the blessing just, in your life hashtag blessing flat <laughs> me now <laughs> <laughs> you need to start Moving a church, Ash. I think that's where all the money is. I think oh, that's what we've just got a church to do tonight. Stop it. Stop it. Hilarious. What about you, Tam? Tam? I feel like maybe I've got a bit of that 
scarcity mindset. Like Ooh. I need to hold on to, I need to hold on to the money. Not that I'm very good at holding on to it, to be honest, because <laughs> I'm quite good at spending it as well. <laughs> but um, maybe I'm not generous enough because I feel like if I give it away, I won't have enough. Mm. And not necessarily to, you know, to be um, extravagant with, just not enough to do what needs to be done, um, you know, to pay the bills. And yeah, yeah, mm. which, you know. I suppose, you know, I guess we're kind of on the edge of that, but we definitely, like you were saying, Shell, put it into perspective, we have more than 99% of the world, so we've definitely got enough to share. Mm. What about you, Shell? Mm. I think, I, yeah, look, I'm both Bruce and I are both, Hey, big spenders. <laughs> um, and so spenders to be generous with other people and um, generous with ourselves and all of the above. So <laughs> I think quite honestly, and that's why we picked up the Barefoot Investor book, just to have the one thing I think if you could just be generous within the buckets that we allocate <laughs> rather than generous no matter what. Um that sounds really hard. Limitless. Like that's probably the yeah. opposite to what you just said, Tam, in a way. So we don't have a scarcity yeah, right. mentality. We're like just spend it and live life to the full and we'll and work out we'll how come. to deal with that later. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think maybe just being having a little bit more wisdom and um, maybe discipline in that, the word of the year for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think if I could work that out eventually, um, that would be helpful and good to model to the kids too. <laughs> hmm. Cool. Nice. Good convo, chicks. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even get to say my profound statement of what how I would define money for me, which is really you'll find this quite enlightening that it is a means to an end. <laughs> In my mind, anyone else thinks that in the whole world, but money, <laughs> money is nothing more than a means to an end. You're welcome. You're steep. welcome. Could someone That's please steep. say, like, over the word that this is a tweetable moment? That's a tweetable moment. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure our whole our whole next podcast is going to revolve around that topic. Okay. okay sorry. There's so much I have to say about it. I'm sure much right. has been written as well. Anyway, it's been lovely to deep dive with you all on, on such Indeed. a fun topic. Ursh, <laughs> can you sing us out this time? Um, um, it's not about the money, money, money. <laughs> That's so good. I love putting her on the spot. <laughs> oh, all right. See you next time. Bye then. <laughs>